Hello. Hello. I'm Emma. I'm Shannon. And welcome to This Podcast Doesn't Exist. We're happy we're here. We're happy you're here is what I meant to say, but we're happy <laughs> we're, we're happy here. we're here too. We're here too. Welcome again to the new year if you haven't already been welcomed in. Oh, wow. What a feeling. Yeah. You know. <laughs> That new year, that new year smell. <laughs> I turned 30 this year. Ooh, she's a big girl now. <laughs> ah! <laughs> uh, friends, if you would like to tell us anything about how your new year is going, please feel free to go to our website at thispodcastdoesn'texist.com. There's a nice big fat juicy button. That is sitting right on our front page that says write in if you have anything. We mean anything. Feel free. Drop it in. Full PDF. Three words. Whatever you want. A haiku. A haiku. Oh, I'd love a haiku. Let's do a haiku. That would be fun. And if anyone has the energy or time. In any case, yay. You can go to our website and find other things too. We have a bingo card. We have all of our socials all that fun stuff, go hang out. Go let us know how it's going. But yeah, how are you today, Shannon? I'm good. Turning into an NPR host. It's, I'm good. Yeah. I'm just uh, really enthusiastic about the energy we've created in the studio. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm also really passionate about ideating on the Chinese food that we've ordered for dinner. Yeah great word by the way thank you word of the day friends ideate ideate (laughs) (laughs) origin Uh, corporate america there it is what's your favorite sign off is it best (laughs) is it best regards get fucked (laughs) (laughs) my energy going into 2020 I almost said going. I almost said going into 2022. We're going back in time. Uh, well, we kind of are because today's episode is in 1978. So we are going a little bit back in time today. Today, friends, we're talking about the disappearance of Stephen Kubacki. Any any inklings? It feels like a name I've maybe heard before. Fair enough. So a college student disappeared in the middle of winter in the Great Lakes. Question remains to this day. What happened? So, in 1978, Stephen Kubacki was a 23-year-old college senior at Hope College, a small private Christian university at the southeastern shore of Lake Michigan. He was either a German or a history major. Apparently there's no clarification. Oh. Um, And as a junior, co-wrote an op-ed for the campus newspaper, The Anchor, on the inadequate collection of books in the library. A man after my own heart. Correct. He is white, with glasses, thick dark hair, and an athletic build. He's quintessential 70s vibes. Nice. Yeah. He was a thorough outdoorsy type who liked cross-country skiing and hiking, so outdoor cat. He had climbed mountains during his study abroad in Europe and skied often near the lake. So in February of 1978, when Stephen told his roommate he was off on a couple-day solo cross-country skiing excursion across Lake Michigan, it wasn't unusual. 
Oh. Um, this has real Mountain Man Mike vibes to me. Yeah, yeah. Of like, don't worry about me. I got my granola bars. I've I'm got... going into the wilderness. I've da, got a, da, I've got da, a thermos da. of Kraft Mac and <laughs> cheese. <laughs> oh, I love him. He's so sweet. So... A local news report dated February 21st says that a group of snowboarders found, quote, skis side by side facing the lake about eight inches apart. The ski poles were stuck in the snow upright on the outside of the skis. A backpack was sitting on top of the skis. End quote. It is fully packed. You are looking at me terrifyingly. <laughs> Do you have an inkling now? No. Oh, you're I'm just, just surprised. I'm just, uh, come on, you know me. I love a, what happened to a somebody in a snow. I know. Well, and there were. In a snow. In a snow. <laughs> <laughs> Aliens. Aliens. And footprints heading out over the lake. Oh. They end abruptly <gasps> at around 200 yards. Aliens. So the officials showed up and searched the area, but didn't find any evidence of Stephen, who had been reported missing. But they did confirm that the bag and skis were his from a dentist bill that was in the backpack. There was no driver's license or any other form of ID. An air search was immediately called and the Coast Guard set on a hunt for the missing student. Stephen's roommate at the time was interviewed, but didn't have any information other than he thought his friend was just going skiing like he had many times before. He seemed convinced, though, that Stephen must have met a terrible fate, like falling through the ice on the lake or succumbing to the cold and harsh winds of the Michigan winter, Mm. which fair point. Yeah. Most authorities at the time agreed with the drowning theory, especially since they couldn't find any evidence of Stephen. They actually spent a great deal of time and effort in trying to locate him, searching the wider area and nearby towns, interviewing his large group of friends that the dean of students at Hope College had called, quote, weird, End quote. And trying to connect the dots of the day he went missing. But nothing seemed out of the ordinary. Some didn't believe he drowned, though. The ice on the lake at that time of year would have been way too thick for anyone to fall through accidentally. This would have been the kind of ice people ice fish through, where mm. you have to drill a hole that's no less than like four inches. an auger. Exactly. Like, it would be about four inches or more to reach the water through ice. My brain cannot comprehend ice that's, that's uh, that icy. Right? You know what I mean? I've ne- First of all, I've never gone ice skating, ever. W- wait. In my life. Really? Yeah. We've had this conversation. Have we? surely oh my god do you want to is that a thing i I don't know i'm afraid is it the like balance i don't don't want to fall down yeah 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 that's fair i don't like i don't like i'm much more fragile (laughs) i'm nearly 30 (laughs) my bones but like right growing up in you know pennsylvania and now living in virginia like if you see ice it's like the top of a puddle yeah, gets frozen. Like, like the only thing that gets frozen solid is like a puddle on a sidewalk, not a body of water. Yeah. So that I cannot comprehend. Yeah. I it wild to me that people are just sitting in little huts drilling holes in ice so that they can get fish in the winter. Do what you got to do, I guess. Apparently, cuz I did look up because, of course, I had to. I was like, how thick does it have to be in order for you to be able to ice fish? Um, apparently, it's no longer – like, the sport itself obviously still exists and people still do it. But it's very different nowadays because they have radar oh. um, and sonar. So now they are 
using sonar to find larger schools of fish so that they drill in the correct spots during like the right Uh times so that they actually catch things rather than just sitting there being cold yeah avoiding the wife that you would have divorced if that was an option basically yeah wow so i feel like there's well and that's the sport side of it like technology as like i feel like there's a portion of it where people are like no i'm gonna go and like just sit in the hut by myself and drink beer and just gonna go vibe yeah i got my radio correct so this is not thin ice is essentially what i'm getting at yeah so it's not an easy thing to trip and crack the ice and fall in and then freeze to death. He'd have to be pounding on the ice Ugh. to get himself into the water. I'm cold just listening to you. Correct. It's, ugh, I don't, <laughs> I don't like it. We're indoor cats. We are. We're I, catio cats. I love it. I love a bubble backpack for me specifically. Love a bubble backpack. <laughs> I would, I would really like, Earl wants to go skiing because he does. He, yeah. he loves to ski. I am not. You're a person who's girly. Exactly. Uh, that a is chalet. where we sit. I will walk to the lodge from wherever we're staying, and that'll be my like, ooh, brr, exercise for the day. <laughs> um, meanwhile, he'll come back like all all red faced and like ruddy, and like, you know, yeah. he's got good exercise for the day, and he looks all cute. He's like, ooh, it's a great day. And I'm like, it was a great day here, too. I finished my book. I had three <laughs> cups of hot cocoa. Like, my toes are toasty. I took a nap. <laughs> so that's basically what I'm yeah. looking forward to. I want to do that. Nice. Uh, anyway, most of Stephen's family believed that instead there was foul play. Someone saw him out there on the ice taking a break and targeted him for some reason or another and took him away from the lake. Maybe there was some kind of issue going on at school with some part of that weird group of friends how rude of the dean to be like there's uh, a missing part yeah that missing guy's friends they're weird they're weird like, he bro. just said it just said quote weird and weird. i was like oh i don't what do you mean Jeez. it was probably that they smoked a lot of weed and just were loud yeah probably that's probably exactly what it was but his parents hired a private investigator to look for him sure didn't find him police even sent his dental records to Chicago to check if Stephen could have been among the unidentified victims of John Wayne Gacy. Mm. He would have been on the very outside of John Wayne Gacy's age mm-hmm. range, age limit, but it's possible. Yeah. Stephen may also have not been alone on mm. his trip. What? There's a report from the day before the disappearance that a couple had seen a young man matching Stephen's description and a young woman with long, dark hair climbing on piles of jagged ice near the shore and taking pictures. Oh. You know, art kids. shoot. <laughs> Look, uh, did me and my friends have a photo shoot in a graveyard? Yeah. We uh, did. <laughs> I mean, did you grow up in 2010? Yes. <laughs> Did we post those photos on Tumblr? You yes. Uh, Were they Hamlet inspired, <laughs> but also Sherlock inspired? Yes. <laughs> Correct. I love you. <laughs> I am who I am. I am what I am. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Stephen's friends and roommates were asked if they knew anything about this young woman, and they had no clue. Feels like you could very easily describe multiple women in the 1970s as has long, dark hair. So yeah, maybe they were like, I don't know, could be like four different people. I have no clue who that is. Yeah. In the same report, 
is an entry about a female student from Hope College. Her name is Redacted. Mm. There's no clear indication of who this woman was. Again, she matches a lot of descriptions. But after Stephen vanished, she stopped attending class and within three weeks had left campus to go live with an aunt. She was apparently extremely distraught by his missing status, even writing a suicide note at one point to her roommate. Oh, no. There's no other mention of her beyond this point. What? They didn't bother to look into her? What? She moved to Grand Rapids and they were like, okay, goodbye. Oh, bye. I don't know if there was more, because again, her name is redacted, so maybe she pops up later and they don't really know who, but... In early March 1978, Stephen's mom called the state police. She said that a friend of the family had been getting phone calls, telling the friend to make phone calls of their own regarding Stephen's disappearance. There were names and numbers that the stranger gave the family friend over the phone, at one point giving a number that they said would reach Stephen. When the friend tried the number, though, it was disconnected. Stephen's mom went through her phone bills to look for the number and found it from six months before and knew it was a number her son had used. She had talked to him for 15 minutes that day, but police said that the number had been disconnected later that month that she had spoken to him and was still disconnected by the time the number was given to the family friend. The lead was a dead end and the call stopped. Hmm. That's weird. Mm -hmm. Stephen's brother didn't believe it was an accident or foul play. Instead, telling police, he thought his brother actually just up and left and went to Germany. He apparently had done it before. Tschüss. Yeah. In an interview with police, Stephen's roommate said he'd gone to Europe for two weeks just a year before with barely any warning and that the roommate had paid for the trip. No word on whether he was repaid, but plane tickets were like $20 then or yeah, something. Right. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't genuinely know. I didn't look that up. But yeah. like, my guess is they were relatively on the cheaper side because, I don't know, my guess might be wrong. Apparently, Stephen had told multiple classmates that he had had at least three girlfriends in Europe, one in France and two in Germany. He took his study abroad, literally. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate my joke. Social studies. Appreciate my joke. In the hopes of finding his name on a manifest, the police requested these lists from Iceland Air out of Chicago, which is what his brother had said was the most likely that he would have taken, and scoured them for flights between February 17th and February 21st. His name wasn't there. The question behind this was, then, did Stephen fake his own death or disappearance? A report during the investigation included thoughts from classmates and others at Hope College who did believe that Stephen could have faked and engineered the whole thing. Maybe for interest, maybe for a way out of his life, we don't know. One student who reportedly saw Stephen the night before he disappeared said he seemed happy, in good spirits, and excited for plans he had made for the next week. Both she and Stephen's roommate believed that while Stephen was certainly smart enough to pull this together, he wouldn't have. What would have been the reason? And where would he go? He only had a few credits left to finish out his college degree, and Hope College granted his degree in absentia, which happened when he was feared but not yet declared dead. Mm. So, how are we feeling? I'm just trying to figure out the logistics. Like, if he did fake his own death, I'm like, okay, so you staged the skis and the backpack and the poles, and then you walk out into the lake. And then you, like, walk fit your, backwards yeah, fit in your, your feet own. back in. And, like, maybe beforehand, did you, like, 
were there trees near the lake so you could get yourself back to your start point and you had like rigged a rope that you could like swing yourself like <laughs> to the jungle like, style wait like how do you get you know what i mean yeah like, yeah, yeah. How, how do you, you extricate how yourself do you from appear this here to have just disappeared without because clearly if the weather allowed those footprints to still be visible it would be evident if someone had like cleared up like tried to disguise footprints you know what I mean yeah or so like, like if he mixed him his footprints in with other footprints like towards the edge of the like, right like it, you would have been able to tell which were his based on how much snow or like how yeah. deep the impressions were like I don't know that's a good point so I'm like how would you do it yeah I don't know you <laughs> you find a log and you roll it down the bank so it lands next to where your staging area is so then when you leave you just roll in there. <laughs> i don't know i love this. i'm just like trying I love this. to figure out the, the logistics I love this. of it but well, here we go okay on may 5th 1979 over a year after Stephen went missing he knocked on his aunt's door in great barrington massachusetts what <laughs> I'm so proud of myself. I'm so proud of myself for writing it this way. What? I thought he died. Nope. He's alive. He's, he's just pulling the the old ops. Uh, yeah, the, op, the optician or no, optometrist. Uh, op, ophthalmologist. Op, ophthalmo- ophthalmologist. <laughs> I was like, an obstetrician is a different uh, part correct. of the body. <laughs> Wrong one. Yes. So Stephen claimed that he, quote, woke up in grass near Pittsfield, Massachusetts, which is about 700 miles east of where he disappeared. He was wearing clothes he did not recognize, including a shirt from a marathon in Wisconsin from August 1978, the same year he disappeared. He also had $40 in cash, new glasses, and a backpack filled with maps and hitchhiking signs from Sacramento, San Francisco, Reno, Chicago, and Utah. So West Coast. Okay. And he went to the ophthalmologist <laughs> to get his new glasses. There it is. He had no memory of his 14-month absence and didn't even know how much time had passed until he bought a newspaper and saw the date. I would love to see the data on how many men versus women claim to have just forgotten their like because what yeah also as holland would say i love how easily you can just disappear (laughs) at certain points in time and people are just like whoop bye and i'm back he got a ride from a local college student to his aunt's house where he surprised his family by being intact and alive. Oh, God. His reunion with his parents was joyful and sweet. Oh. There is a photo of his father leaning on him in what can only be described as pure relief, oh. which just breaks my heart. Like, I can't imagine that feeling because obviously I don't have mm-hmm. a kid. But, like, you for a full year and a half, you are non-stop searching for him because you just can't get out of your head that he's out there he's alive he's okay and it's true yeah like overwhelming relief how pure how beautiful so Stephen told press in an interview the week he reappeared quote i feel like i've done a lot of running end quote and said the last thing he remembered was quote feeling cold and scared of being lost in the frozen darkness end quote 
When asked about what he thought happened, Stephen told reporters he believed the exhaustion and exposure is what caused his lapse in memory. He insisted he was in a healthy frame of mind, and while he would visit a doctor for a physical, he denied needing a psychiatrist. He said, quote, My father was going to sign over the house to me. I had three courses at school, and no trouble. I left a romance in Germany. There was no trouble with girls. I had a job lined up with the Holland Sentinel newspaper. End quote. I do love that his, like, I don't need to see a psychiatrist. I'm fine. Like, I don't remember anything, but I'm okay. As we were saying last <laughs> night, white men will do anything except go to therapy. <laughs> it's also interesting because I think, too, like, in the 1970s, where, like, psychotherapy mm-hmm. and, like, alternative kinds of therapy were very big, it was also a sign to the more conservative people that, oh, my gosh, something's wrong with you. Oh, yeah. So, like... There's definitely some of that in it, but I find it funny that he's like, there was no trouble with girls. <laughs> like, I'm good. I need to make, I need you to know, no trouble, no trouble. I'm everyone everyone loves me. Commodity. Everyone loves me. His mother said she didn't need an explanation. Quote, it's really just grand. The world is a great place again. End quote. So sweet. Couldn't be me. <laughs> You'd be mad. No, I'd be like, what happened? Oh, genuinely. What are we? Yeah. What, what where, how, who? Everything. Tell yeah. me liter- the tiniest of details. Yeah. Flashes. Give me something. Stephen told everyone he would do his best to retrace his steps and try to remember the past 14 months. But it is now 2023 and we don't have any answers. Hmm. Stephen Kubaki, PhD, is now a Seattle-based psychotherapist specializing in trauma, PTSD, depression, and relationship issues, and wrote a book titled Metamathematical Foundations of Existence, Godel, Quantum, God, and Beyond. Huh. Mm-hmm. He is also the founder and president of Multiverse Studios, which developed the app Great Date, G-R capitalized, Great Date. This app asks you basic questions written by psychologists to track your dating history and compare your dating relationships. Basically, it uses data to give to show you the positives and negatives of the people you're going out with and compare them, giving you analysis on your trends and their red flags. Uh, no. Yeah. I don't need that. It's so it, – I was looking at the app website and it was like, this is not a dating app. This is purely for personal use to gather data I on your – like. but I'm like, I don't like failure, so. It's just a lot of like – it was it was interesting. Like I, I won't say weird because it might be very genuinely helpful for some people, yeah. but like it was just interesting to see like Again, this is the stuff of the data. If you want to go to therapy to learn to be self aware, here's an app that'll tell you. What... Here's his red flag. Like oh, so there are a few theories that have been floated around since Stephen showed up on his aunt's doorstep but the majority of them revolve around how much information Stephen has given in the last 45 years. Because that's how long it's been. It's a long-ass time. I gathered a lot of my research from the in-depth articles of Ellen Killerin, who is an author of the substack Cold Dead Hands. She's a reporter by trade and from 2019 to 2022 investigated Stephen's case of apparent vanishing. Through interviews, FOIA requests, and multiple but unsuccessful attempts to contact Stephen and his family, Ellen pulled together a deep dive of information that highlights multiple possible theories under the title The Misappearance of Stephen Kubacki. It's a really deep read. There's about six parts, six chapters, as she calls them, 
I will say, grain of salt, obviously, I'm not looking at these reports themselves. She's telling you what these Mm -hmm. reports are saying. So obviously, you know, you could go find those if you wanted to. She seemed very in-depth research. She does have a couple links in some of them. So it seemed very legit to me. But again, grain of salt. The first theory on the list is the Lake Michigan Triangle. Because guess what? You've heard the Bermuda Triangle. You've heard of the Bennington Triangle. Get ready for the Lake Michigan Triangle. (laughs) Where Stephen initially disappeared is at the southeast boundary of this mysterious space on the third largest Great Lake. Multiple ship disappearances and eerie happenings have been reported as have (laughs) UFO... Eerie happenings. Thank you. I didn't even... Correct, it's but a different lake. Uh, still great. St- thank thank you. you. Still great. Uh, lake. We are. We are those two Muppets. That is just. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> so funny. You're welcome. Oh my gosh. Happy freaking New Year. <laughs> you filthy animal. Superior <laughs> New Year. We look forward you to hear it on yeah. our podcast. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. I can't do Michigan. <laughs> Go to Ontario. There it is. All right. We're doing... We're Me doing... going homes. Age. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Oh, all right. The so, triangle. The triangle. Multiple ship disappearances and eerie happenings have been reported, as have UFO sightings and flight oh. losses. So, aliens. Many conspiracists blame the occurrences on a negative energy vortex, where the energy is a source of danger and malevolence, especially those that exist on a ley line. Mm. Correct. One ley line apparently runs down the middle of Lake Michigan. There is also reportedly a prehistoric row of placed stones over a mile in length under Lake Michigan that archaeologists found in 2007 which they referred to as the North American Stonehenge. Wait, 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 wait. The stones are a mile large? The stone, the, no, the indiv- there are individual stones in that are placed radius. in a mile range. I see. I was like. In one long line. There's a big rock. No, no, correct. That, no, sorry. They, they, they are placed I stones see. that seem seemingly that have been placed over a mile, over a mile long. Got yes. it. This line, this North American Stonehenge, could be contributing to the supposed vortex of energy. There's also a carved image on one of those stones that resembles a mastodon <gasps> and is around 12,000 years old. Go to cool. Yeah. So obviously it was before, it was like probably during Ice Age yeah. era. <laughs> In my Ice Age era. <laughs> Where's that squirrel? <laughs> Where's that squirrel? But definitely like, you know, after the glaciers melted yeah filled in the space like that it got buried underneath the water kind of the theory goes that because of the weird happenings around the lake michigan triangle something drew stephen out across the frozen water without his bag or skis creepy yeah potentially something nefarious (gasps) oh this is like the i i read a book that was an antarctic horror story took place right after world war one and it's like these all right, welcome to book talk time. Get great book corner. It's called All the White Spaces by Allie 
So, uh, it starts with a W. Anyway, so the main character is a trans guy who both his brothers die in the war. And they were all really interested in the main explorer of Because this was during the time, like, Everest, but also the poles, like we talked about with the... The expeditioners. The, yes, exactly. The age of exploration. So they were talked about it like they had maps it out. So when they died, the main character, like his way of like grieving and want and also like being able to live as his true self is to run away and like join this crew and there's like an eerie he starts seeing and hearing things but other people start hearing things and then like something happens with the boat that they can't it's not sailable so they have to like walk with the sledges and the dogs and then they get they know there's a camp from a german expedition that had previously gone that they had never heard had like returned but when that expedition left it was during the war so they they show up and they're like kind of prepared to think like the germans are might try and fight them because right yeah as far as the germans know the world war is still happening but there's nobody there and, like, there's dinner still on the table. Ew. And, like, the dogs. It's sad. Anyway, there's an eerie. So it's, like, half, like, survivalist, scary, like, people, how people mentally deteriorate when they're stuck and trapped and, like, whatever. But also there's, like, some supernatural sort of. But is it supernatural or Ooh. is it just people going crazy? And, Yeah. Wow. Anyway, well, all the white spaces, if you're into horror, but like light horror, because I don't do. Yeah. I, that's about as far as I go, where I was like, is there something? Is Psy- it a ghost? Psych- psychological thriller almost. Yeah. But also, come on, an expedition. Yeah, it's, it's novel, definitely like, up your alley. Hello. Yeah. Anyway. Ugh. Scary. <laughs> so, anyway, he might have seen something out He might the have seen something. Him. Yeah. Also, I will note. That the Lake Michigan Triangle has also been purported to be the Lake Michigan Oblong Rectangle because they are like, it happens everywhere in Lake Michigan. As a marketing professional, that name is not as good. No, which is why it isn't usually known that way. But I just find it funny that they're like, so really, all of these things happen within the entirety of Lake Michigan? And I'm like, yeah. I don't really trust conspiracists with like basic geometry and shapes because they try to include Ireland in the Bermuda Triangle. Like technically it's part of a triangle, but like, come on. Yeah, it's a pretty big triangle. (laughs) It's just the whole ocean. Yeah. It's almost like the ocean is terrifying. And connected. (laughs) Weird. Weird. So... The same could have happened to currently missing, so far as I could find, (gasps) Jack Soren from Hope College. (gasps) He went missing in 2020, one night in October, and no one has seen him since. Yeah. Searches of the area and the water have been conducted, but nothing has been found. Many at the college believe that he may show up like Stephen did, because they're in that, like, still in the very (laughs) much hope sense of hope yeah hope it's all they do there at that college but there is someone sitting in room 117 of the shop science center who believes they know exactly what happened quote the answer of course is simple it was aliens end quote says giorgio sukalos 
head of the Department of Speculative Science and Ufology, and meme man extraordinaire from the History Channel classic Ancient Aliens. Also has a crush on your dad. Also has a crush on my dad. Guys, I've genuinely met this man, and when I found out that he was a part of this story in a weird way, I cheered. (laughs) When Earl came back. Surprise celebrity appearance. Giorgio Sukalos, Sukalos, I don't, I'm sorry if I said your name wrong, Sukalos, he's delightful, I have shaken, shook, I shook his hand, he stared deeply into my father's eyes and said that they were beautiful, so, new dad, I don't know, (laughs) (laughs) not sure. It was genuinely a highlight of my father's life, though. The bone shaman, je- like, he freaked out. He was so happy. Brittany, the other day, when I was like, oh, you might get to meet um, his parents, she was like, does he know you all call him the bone yes, shaman? I was aware. like, oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have the attention span to listen to the podcast, no. but he is aware we refer to him as such. Yeah, he finds it funny. He thinks it's delightful. Yeah, he finds it funny. Well, please note that this quote-unquote department is not recognized by Hope College, but that hasn't stopped Giorgio from taking over the classroom and getting students to talk with him. Oh my god. According to the college newspaper, The Anchor. Just some rogue. He just yells classes. In, in the in the newspaper they were like, he just yells at kids, yells at college students to come talk to him. This is also 2020, so I don't know if he's still around, yeah, like, I'm hanging like, out. Bro, you have a whole-ass TV show. He's, what do you... He's currently on tour. <laughs> like, like, what... 2020 was a hard time for all of us. Just, I think he just wanted an outlet. He just wanted, he's, yeah. He's a very sweet guy, so, like, go talk to him. In reference to Jack, Giorgio said, quote, In just a few days now is Halloween, where a rare blue moon is supposed to grace the sky, mm. the second full moon of the month. The aliens love this time of year. Same. End quote. The aliens are witchy I just, girlies. I just love the idea of little aliens walking down this small town, like Main Street, holding cups of coffee with their long fingers, just going, I love this time of year. <laughs> that. <laughs> oh, they're like, let's watch Practical Magic when we get back to the ship. Don't you love it when all of the leaves fall to the ground? Gravity, what a novel experience. (laughs) It makes me feel so grounded. (laughs) Ah! I love this image. This makes me so happy. If only either of us could draw. (laughs) Genuinely, like I would, a, a little animation, how cute. They're just side by side with their little flannels on. And they're just wearing like a giant beanie so nobody notices their that they're humongous aliens. heads. Yeah. <laughs> oh, golly. I love that. And a mask. Yeah. So nobody knows they're aliens. <laughs> Shannon's enamored. <laughs> oh. Okay. All right. So. Giorgio also said that, like Stephen, quote, Soren will show up in Utah or perhaps Maine, hopefully with enlightening stories to tell, end quote. I will note this is potentially harmful in terms of, like, the hope for mm. Jack, or, yeah, Jack's family, um, but I haven't been able to find any updates about him or his disappearance, so my assumption is that the search continues. Time to turn on those Google News alerts. Yeah, I, I sincerely hope that he is, like Stephen, just about to wake up on a grassy knoll. Yeah, so he's just out thinking he's a different person right now, like yeah. rock climbing or something. Yeah, so it 
could have been aliens. Um, We've heard abduction stories that range from detailed to almost non-existent now, but it feels like amnesia surrounding an almost 14-month gap in time for Stephen could be explained by an abduction dropping him off 700 miles away from where he was picked up. It could also be time travel, because time travel is always an option. Mm -hmm. He could just not have any of that time at all because he hopped around the space-time continuum, having found a way to the future or the past on iced over Lake Michigan. Hmm. You know, ley lines, they'll do that for you. Mm -hmm. His loss of time, though, could be what Stephen initially claimed it to be, amnesia. He says his last memory is of fearing the elements on the frozen lake, and then he was lying in the grass in a field in Massachusetts. But what about the marathon that he doesn't remember running in that would have earned him the shirt he was wearing when he woke up. Mm-hmm. Ellen Killerin dove into this section on her research, saying, quote, Having that t-shirt could mean almost anything. Kubaki could have borrowed it, bought it, found it, stolen it, or run the marathon in August 1978, while in the throes of a profound, sustained episode of amnesia. Running itself demands only muscle memory, but running a marathon requires some form of registration if you're going to get a t-shirt. End Mm. quote. The current organizer of the still-running marathon tracked down the race registries and results for Ellen and sent them along. She scoured the names, knowing she would probably never find it. And she didn't. But she wasn't just looking for the name Stephen. After Stephen reappeared and the press made it national news, Ron Curtis, a divinity student at Berkshire Christian College in Massachusetts, contacted the Associated Press. He said he picked up a hitchhiker on May 5, 1979, the day that Stephen reappeared, that looked a lot like the man he was seeing in the newspaper photos. The man he picked up said his name was Nathan, and that he had just flown in from San Francisco to Boston, taking Mm -hmm. a bus to get to Pittsfield, but he had to get to Great Barrington so he needed a ride. When Ron pulled up to the house Nathan directed him to, he asked who Nathan was visiting. Nathan said she was a friend, and he had, quote, news of a mutual acquaintance who has been missing for some time, end quote. Ron states, quote, he never said anything to me about waking up on a grassy hill, Hmm. end quote. Which brings us to our last theory. He ran away from his life super successfully. (sighs) No one seemed to be able to track him down during those 14 months, including law enforcement, family members, and private investigators. He didn't gain much out of the publicity. There was no money or TV spots or anything. He could have been trying to provoke a reaction out of people for some reason. Maybe he was running away from something genuinely, but there isn't necessarily a clear motive for this theory. Maybe he's just a dick, but I don't know him, so maybe he's super nice and didn't know any better as a 23-year-old male. Yeah. It is interesting to note that Stephen has not done any interviews or provided more information about his disappearance, refusing to talk to reporters, and currently a Wikipedia page on the incident doesn't even exist. When Ellen reached out to him, his family members, and even his ex-wife, everyone refused to talk to her. her, His ex-wife was like, I will never speak on that. Ever. Don't ask me. Interesting. Mm -hmm. To Stephen's refusal to speak on the matter, Ellen says, quote, why would he? As a journalist, I'm still occasionally amazed when people volunteer information under no obligation, with no motive other than getting the truth out. There are often more downsides than upsides, but I suppose that depends on what the truth is. Mm. End quote. We may get an explanation, however. 
Stephen is in the process of looking for publishers for his book, mm. written with author Dylan James Quarles, called The Disappearance, What Really Happened to One of History's Last Unexplained Missing Persons. Himself. It's a book about himself. He's gone on a couple podcasts to promote it recently, but hasn't divulged any information. The last paragraph of the blurb from his website, stephenkubackyphd.com, <laughs> goes, quote, After almost 45 years of silence, Stephen Kubacki is ready to reveal where he went after he disappeared. His experience is much stranger and also much more believable than anyone suspects. Mm. The story involves a revolutionary organization, an idealistic terrorist in training named Nathan T. Stanfield, spiritual experiences with hallucinogenic drugs and alternate realities, the French Foreign Legion, and a young man's struggle to find meaning during a turbulent time. End quote. <laughs> that face. <laughs> That face. So we might have an answer soon, but for now, yeah, we're pretty much somebody, in the dark. Somebody buy that book, please. I need to read it. It, it. it says at under like all of this, it says currently reaching out to publishers. So I'm like, if this does genuinely come out, I'm so, like, the minute. I was about to be like, I need to put that on my Libby holds. And I was like, I can't if it hasn't been. It hasn't like, been. <laughs> no. So we need it. What happened, dude? The French the foreign French legion? legion? Also, the fact that drugs, terrorist in training with the name Nathan, was it you? Like, were you brainwashed? Are you the winter soldier? Like, Mm -hmm. I also find it very interesting, just in general, that in his life, he turned to being a psychotherapist. Yeah. This was all just an elaborate setup for his future career. Right? And then on his website, feel free to poke around because it's interesting. He had, because he's, he's written a couple books by now, but there is a section of like these blurbs from some of his books. One of them's about what does it mean to exist? Like he's very much like a, like f- trying to philosophize, mm-hmm. philosophize? Yeah. Yeah. Um life and like in general and like what it means to exist and is god real is like what are you is a soul real or people real like is this reality something that even exists like that kind of stuff where i'm like what did you do for 14 months you just listened to bohemian rhapsody over (laughs) and over and over and over and over so yeah that is the disappearance and reappearance of stephen kubacki wow yeah. Thank you. What a plot twist. Right? And I, like ugh and ugh I need I need the book. I need it. Right? I just I loved that blurb so much. <laughs> but it's it, so this this one I found on the list, the same list that I found the optometrist missing ophthalmologist. Op, optom, ophthalmologist. Ophthalmologist. <laughs> I love that um, you have to do that with your neck every time. Ophthalmologist. Mm-hmm. Visual bit. I found it on the same list because there's a yeah, list yeah, yeah. of like people who disappeared and then reappeared. And a lot of them are very much explained. Mm-hmm. But like there's a lot of media surrounding them that's like, oh, what happened? And then when they find out what happens, it's like, oh, oh. okay. Oh. Either it's something really sad or it's something that's like, oh, you just wanted to disappear and yeah. you wanted to be left alone. This and the ophthalmologist were the ones where I went, I'm okay, sorry. Okay. What? Because they were just wi- wild. Man's audacity 
I think is the... Um, That's why I want the data of, like, how many yes. women try and do this Yeah. versus man. Yeah. I would, I would love that data. I'm sure it's, you know, six to one or something outrageous. Speaking with authority that is unfounded. <laughs> Correct. It's Ella Kylie. It's my dun, entire dun, dun, life. Um, unless you ask me about the Muppets, in which case I will be 100% correct. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I'm going to leave you with that. And you're welcome. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And remember, this podcast doesn't exist. Aliens. 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 I love him so much. Okay, goodbye. Bye, stepdad. <laughs> this episode was researched, co-produced, and edited by Emma Kylie. Co-produced and marketed by Shannon McCarthy. Our theme music was composed and performed by Tom Emsley-Smith. The mailbag theme music was composed by Liam Kylie.